So um, what I want to talk to tonight out of that passage, I'm calling it wilderness living. Um, so in the previous, so there's a number of references to wilderness around here. So Jesus has been, in the previous chapter, you've got John the Baptist in the wilderness, basically living the um, archetypal crazy man in a shack in the woods that you see in your um, TV shows and movies of, you know, um, and then you've got Jesus going to meet John the Baptist in the wilderness, getting baptized, and then the spirit coming down, and then that spirit leading Jesus out into the wilderness again. Um, last week, Arlene was talking about mountaintop-like experiences and sort of Jesus being baptized and you know having the voice of God declare, you're my son in whom I'm well pleased, you know, is very similar to a mountaintop experience there. But then the spirit that had descended on him leads him out to somewhere isolated, uncomfortable, and hungry, as it said in there. And um, in Mark, when it refers to this, it even talks about Jesus being with the wild animals. Now, I look at modern-day Israel, and I'm not quite sure what the wild animals would be. Um, I'm presuming snakes and scorpions and stuff, but when I had a look, and apparently back in this time, you were much more likely to have lions and crocodiles and bears. Yeah, yeah, not tigers, but yeah, crocodiles and stuff. <coughs> And so the wilderness is a recurring motif in the Bible for times of struggle and challenge. It's often portrayed as times of testing, like Jesus was here. Whether it is the Israelites spending 40 years, Jesus for 40 days, or John the Baptist basically living out there. Um, it's also interesting the way that we describe time in the wilderness. We talk about people wandering in the wilderness. I don't think I've ever heard of people walking with purpose in the wilderness. It's much more a sense of you're out there, not quite sure where you're going, and it's a place that's much more about the journey than the destination. And to be honest, I'm not a big wilderness person. Uh, camping is probably my least favourite thing to do. I like my creature comforts, my hot showers, my comfortable beds, my espresso machine and my Wi-Fi. <laughs> and you, know, you give me a cabin in the woods with those things, and I'm all on board for it, but um, camping and being out in the elements is not my thing at all. And so this wilderness is also something that we often you know, talk about in sort of a metaphorical sense of spiritual times that we go through. And equally there, it doesn't look very appealing to me. It's hard, it's dirty, the comforts that you're used to are gone. It's often lonely, full of self-doubt and questioning. Um, it's got that same feeling of wandering, of not being sure where you're going, of not sh being sure how long this is going to last, of the struggles that you're going through and not being able to see what you're going to do. So the best you can hope for is just to put one foot in front of the other and just keep going. Um, and when nighttime falls, it's downright terrifying. That something that I love in this passage, though, is that Jesus is in the wilderness having a debate with the devil using scriptures back and forth about what the nature of God is, about the character of God and what our response to God should be. And I feel like a lot of the times I've had in the wilderness, that's what it's like. I'm sort of, the devil isn't just making up things out of nowhere, that the devil is actually speaking a lot of truths there and quoting passages out of the Bible. And I think it's a really interesting metaphor for how um, a lot of times, you know, you can come up with verses to support anything and you can come up with all sorts of warped theologies around it, but that in that time, Jesus is going through and working through it and pushing back and challenging and sort of a lot of it comes down to the fundamental concept of who is God and who does God want me to be. 
and many times when we go through that, we end up with a stronger picture at the end of it. That you've also got the story of Jacob being in the wilderness and that um, in his tent at night, he's wrestling with God physically. And at the end of it, God gives him a limp that he carries around for the rest of his life, as well as giving him a blessing. It's a bizarre story because it just sort of goes, and, you know, nighttime fell, and then Jacob was wrestling with a person. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And uh, many times the sort of scars that we collect in the wilderness show the growth we've had, that they're things that we carry around with us that almost become badges of honour over time and can reflect the blessing in a sort of bizarre way that we've picked up in that time. Um, in Matthew 3, just before this one, I was saying that uh, John the Baptist is in the wilderness, yet people are being drawn to him while he's out there. This also then brings the religious leaders out to see what on earth is going on, and John rips into them, calling them a brood of uh, vipers. Um, I'd like to think that his time in the wilderness of being away from the sort of structures that we build in civilization, of being in those sort of religious structures that had been constructed, allowed him to see the hypocrisy that was within there, to see the challenges of it, and gave him a clearer insight as a result of it. I I certainly know that I can relate to very well. That's been a lot of my journey. Last week, Alim, as I mentioned, was talking about the mountaintop experiences and how they're not supposed to be the norm, um, that our time in the valleys is much more common. And I'd also say that as I go through my life, I increasingly feel like living in the wilderness is probably much more the norm. That we love the mountaintop experiences, but the times where you're struggling, where you're not quite sure where you're going, which way is up, where you're feeling all of the burden of those things. I feel like that is much more the status quo. Um, And that's hard. (laughs) It would be much easier to stay in civilization with the culture creature comforts that we've sort of built around us, to have the same way of doing things, you know, to sing the same songs, to have the nice easy messages that you go to and clap at the right times and go, yes, this is nice, I've ticked some boxes, I feel good about myself. Um, But ultimately, these are all artificial things we create around us in many ways. Um, The wilderness, for as scary as and uncomfortable as it can be, is natural, that there's sort of a stark beauty in it in many ways. And, you know, we have, so Lily is, where's she going? Oh, absolutely into astronomy. And one of my great struggles is that living in a city, it's really difficult to see the night sky, that you can't see the stars because the light pollution that we create here just means that it becomes all hazy and a blur. You go out to the bush, all of a sudden there is so much more nuance and detail that you can see in the night sky that you can't otherwise. And I think, you know, we're well aware of all of the noise and other things that we have in everyday life that can keep us crowded from actually seeing the real things. That we can sort of numb ourselves to the real challenges that are going on because we just have a life where we go through the motions, do the same things, and that can be easier, but it stops us from seeing the things we really need to. Um, And I don't want to be glib about this in terms of Previously, I probably would have given some pat answer about how, you know, God calls us to the wilderness because it's hard, but he's with us and there's great things that happen and we come out stronger and better as a result of it. And while I believe God will be with us in those times, that they can be so dark and 
painful that I really struggle to say that good things come out as a result of them. We can grow through them and we can get benefit from them, but some things just suck and some things are just awful. I don't want to give some nice, you know, everything happens for a reason. There's all some big plan bringing it together. I believe God has a plan and wants to do things, but I'm not going to, I've got to a point where I'm not comfortable talking about a God who, you know, want, you know, basically visits terrible things upon us so that we can grow through them. A God who put, you know, allows people to do evil things because then we'll learn from them as a result. Who, you know, will shoot 17 kids, uh, allow 17 kids to be shot in the school because, you know, there's better things that can come out of it. I don't have my theology all fully tied around that and suffering and everything, but I've certainly felt like many times we give far too cheap answers to those things. And I certainly don't want that to be what I'm doing is talking about wilderness living. That um, as I was reading the passage uh, in preparation for tonight, the final verse of it, though, really struck out to me. Um, It says, Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. And as I read this, it felt sort of like it was a... um, an armchair that my soul just sort of sunk into as I read the passage. It just had part of me that went, oh God, let it be so. Um, I know that in those, you know, when you go through those tough times, when you go through those difficulties and challenges, that having that, having that sense of that there'll be a reprieve, that the devil will leave and that angels will come and be with you, that you'll feel comforted and protected in that moment even if it's just for a moment, means so much. And so my prayer is that for any of us who are in that sort of wilderness time at the moment, that we can have that. 